you're in your 30s or under, it was kind of geared towards you, but there's something practical for everybody within it. If you missed it, I encourage you to go online, find it, listen to it again. But today, we're going the opposite direction. I'm talking to the 30 and ups. But again, all of our 30 and unders are, uh, are, are not excluded. There's still something to listen here. Um, all of our youth are on, on uh, this, this uh, forward conference, and I, I spoke to Brandon just yesterday, and I asked how things were going, what was going on, and, and there's, there's certain things that it just makes it really easy to make fun of some of these kids. My deal with you, though, is I won't believe everything they say about you if you don't believe everything they say about us in this trip. Uh, but uh, there's little things like on the way there, on the way there, the, you know, some of the kids, I, your parents, you, they gave them certain amounts of money here. This is the amount of money you had. And so Brandon knowledgeably said, look, I am going to prepare lunches for the whole trip there and the trip back. Uh, you know, cold cuts, sandwiches, snacks, drinks, all of this stuff had igloos prepared, got to a rest area, pulled it out, opened it all up, spread it all out. But the kids would rather go into the convenience store use the money that mom and dad gave them to buy the very same snack that Brandon was setting. Like, here's Chips Ahoy, but they wanted the convenience store Chips Ahoy because they had money to spend. Most of those kids are now without money for the drive home, and they're forced to eat the cold cuts. There's a lot of things that happen, and it's very easy to, to talk down on someone else. It's always harder to build somebody up. Always harder to build somebody up. In fact, culture today would teach us that to raise the next generation, success would be to raise well-rounded, well-educated, happy kids. If you're a parent here today, society would tell you if you can, if you can raise a well-educated, a, a well-rounded, a happy kid, then, then you have succeeded. Look, for, for myself, well-educated, well-rounded, well-educated, those are, those are valuable traits, yes. But I've seen more Bible college failures, dropouts, people who, who couldn't make it, not just out of Bible college, but, but even just completely away from Christianity, who were very well knowledgeable. They missed, they missed it by about this much. See, they had it all here, but they missed it here. Happy, happy. We got to do everything we can to make our kids happy, right? <laughs> Happiness. Happiness is based on what's happening around you. Happenings are, are they're sometimes good, they're sometimes bad. You can't control what happens around you necessarily. So, so raising a happy kid is irrelevant. I'd, I'd much rather they be filled with joy. Paul talks about joy constantly throughout Scripture. See, joy supersedes happiness. Joy comes regardless of my happenings, comes regardless of, of my circumstances around me. Jesus asked a question that, that basically it almost refutes our, our current definition of success in raising kids. Well-rounded, well-educated, happy kids. Jesus said this in Matthew 16, 26. He says, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world? If he gains the whole world, what is that? Well, if he's, if he's well-rounded, well-educated, and he's happy. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses or forfeits his soul? One of the most important things that we can do as parents, as, as elders, 
is to speak life to the next generation. Because what is it if they have more than we had but can't do more than we did? What good is it if they have more than we have but, but never can accomplish more than we accomplished? If they don't have a relationship with Christ, in the end, it doesn't matter all. Last week, again, I, I talked about the need to have someone who believes in you. I showed you all a card that Ron had written to me about three years ago. It says, I believe in you. Four, four simple words, I believe in you. And the need to speak that into a younger generation. We talked directly to this younger generation, and I, from the pulpit, tried to look everyone in the eye and say, look, I believe in you. There's something important about hearing that from somebody. What somebody do they hear that from? You know what somebody they hear that from? It's us. It's you and I. Psalms chapter 71, David writes, he, he, he writes this beautiful scripture. He says this, he says, even when I am old and gray, even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God. Let me live until I declare your power unto the next generation, your might to all who are to come. There, right there is the purpose of each and every one of our lives. Not to garner wealth, not to, not to, to raise happy kids, but instead, men, to declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. God, that you would use me in a mighty way. Do not let me die quickly, quickly Lord God. Let me, let me live a little longer, Lord God, long enough to be able to share what I have seen. Nobody can take my testimony. Nobody can take my story. And if I have the opportunity, Lord God, to share just that, let me live a little longer. To share your goodness, to share your power, to share your might, to share your glory, your splendor, your awe. The generation coming up doesn't quite know it yet. They don't know it like we do. Some of you have gone through movements. The Jesus movement. Some of you are old enough to, to, to remember some radical things that happened. Some powerful testimonies. Some of you, I mean, you're even old enough to remember all the way back even further than before Jesus' movement. Maybe not Azusa. That was, that was a long time ago. But somewhere in between there. Powerful moves of God. And I think we're on the verge, on the cusp of something new, of, of something radical. But, but again, it's so easy to discount somebody else. To discount somebody. Why? Because, because they're different. They don't understand. They don't get it like we do. Well, why don't they get it like we do? I, uh, it's easy to tear down. It's hard to build up. You can look at a younger generation, and, and last week I talked about different things that, uh, labels that are placed on them. And a lot of times what we do as, a, as an older generation, what we do is, is we just slap that label on a kid, and slap that label on a young adult, and, and just say, well, that's who you are, and, and you're not going to be any better. We don't take the time to say, hey, you know what, let me, let me help you with that, let me show you with that. It's easy to make fun of kids because of the, the video games they're glued to. 
the music they listen to. But think about your parents and their thoughts toward the music you listen to. It happens every year, right? Every year there's a change for right now you, you got mumble rap. I don't even know what it is. I just heard that's the term they use. So, so yeah. Mum, but then before that, what was it? Oh, we, we, had, we had Nirvana. We had Tupac. We had Dr. Dre. And for some of you, you're going, who? You're thinking back to the Beach Boys. Right? Michael Jackson. And then maybe some of you even further than that that looked down upon that, there was what? There was swing. That's way back. Right? But each year, something different happens. Something changes. Hairstyles. Nowadays, what, what we got man buns, top cuts, so it, it, top knot. And yet look back just how many years ago did all of a sudden, during the Jesus movement, long-haired. Oh, your dad didn't like the long hair. Hippie people. Bell-bottoms. Crazy generation. God, let me live a few days longer because I want to be able to help others know just how good you are. You see, guys, it's about speaking life. It's easy to tear down. It's so much harder to build up. The greatest calling that we have in life is to speak life into the next generation, not to raise some well-rounded, well-educated, a happy kid, but instead to unleash a focused generation, world changers for the glory of God. A generation who knows who they are and why they were created. We can help them define what it is, how they're uniquely gifted and created by God to accomplish something that, that man, that's going to outlast us. If all we do is build for today, we've missed the point. But if we build into tomorrow, something that outlasts each and every one of us, it means so much more. Let me live long enough that I may impart your goodness, your knowledge and understanding to the next generation and to those who are to come behind me. Again, it's always easier to tear down than to speak life. But God has instructed us to do just that, to speak life, to build up. There's a, a passage I want to concentrate on today. It's on, in Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, starting in verse 4, Moses is speaking. This is towards the end of, of his life, and, and he's giving this this. Uh, uh, this this final speech, if you will, to, to the Israelites. I want to read through it real quick. He says this. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down or when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. He's encouraging the whole Israelite people to speak life. I believe that there's, I see three different things throughout this text that I want to I utilize to, to show us today. To show us how to be able to speak life into the next generation. What's it going to take? Yes, it, it could be difficult, but, but it doesn't have to be that hard. We can build them up. The first thing that we need to do 
is utilize the church. Utilize the body of Christ. Now, now, now hear me. I'm not just saying ship your kid off to youth group. The church, remind you, is who? Oh, come on. There's only like three of you that admitted to it. The church is who? Utilize the body, the church. Those that are parents here this morning, look, first and foremost, and I know you know the voice that's always the most important is yours. Your voice is always the most important in that child's life. But it can't be the only voice. Your voice is definitely the most important in that child's life. They need to hear you speak life into them, but, but you cannot go it alone. It's looking across the aisles and coming together. Moses starts out this scripture by saying, Hear, O Israel. He's talking to, to the conglomerate. He's talking to the whole. He's talking to everybody within earshot. He's saying, as a nation, we're going to work on this. This isn't just a parent to a child. It's, it's not just the teacher's responsibility. It's not just the youth pastor's responsibility. It's not just the parent's responsibility. It's us as a whole, the people of God. This is a nation-to-generation talk. Here's where a lot of people, uh, we, don't, we don't quite get it a lot of times. In the Old Testament, um, a family union, when they talk about family in the Old Testament, it was so much different than, than where we are today. I mean, again, as I said last week, as big as the world is, it's gotten so much smaller. And, and kids move, they shift, and, and people, people have up and moved. And it just that's part of what life is. But in, in this particular time, when we read what Scripture and we try and understand what it's talking about, when it talks about family, what you need to understand is, is there was a father and a mother who, who would live in a circle with grandma and grandpa, grandma and grandpa, Sons and daughters and their kids, aunts and uncles and their kids. It was this, this community. There was usually somewhere around 75, 80 people within a, a family. Dear God. Some of you are thinking, uh-uh, nope, not doing it. But there's something to be said. It doesn't necessarily have to be the family or the ones that maybe treated you wrong or treated you right, regardless. But what it is, it's this family, this coming together, this people. It's each and every one of us saying, you know what? It's not just their responsibility. Again, it's easy to sit there and push your cart down the aisle and make fun of the mother who can't keep control of her child. See, it's easy to shift blame onto somebody else. Why can't she raise her kid right? But we don't see behind the scenes that, that, that what, what's happened here is a single mom who has nobody because everybody turns a, turns, a, turns a blind eye to what she's dealing with and walks on by. You see, it's up to us to say, can I help? Speak life instead of demeaning derogatory words. Speak life into the next generation. And the beautiful thing is you see it throughout Scripture. Throughout Scripture, you, you see this, this, uh, this ebb and flow of the older generation and the younger generation. I mentioned it last week, and, and we're going to talk more in depth next week about it. But the, the relationship between Paul and Timothy. 
Paul and Timothy was a beautiful example. Here's, here's a young man. Timothy was the young generation. Scripture talks about him growing up, and it talks about his mother and his grandmother. And so here's Paul, not a part of the family, but, but Timothy's growing up, and I don't know if he was maybe a little timid, didn't, didn't quite know how to step into the faith, wasn't sure, but Paul saw this and decided, hey, can I, can I step in and, and let you know what I've seen? Can I share with you some of my testimony? Can I just be open? Can I be real? Can I be honest with you? He was speaking life into a younger generation. Each and every one of the disciples, that's what they did. Jesus spoke life into his disciples. Those 11 then went and what? Spoke life into the world. And, and like I said last week, we're here today, millions upon millions around the world solely because a generation spoke life into another generation. Built them up. Encouraged them instead of tearing them down or telling them what they couldn't do. Paul, throughout his scriptures to Timothy, he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but be an example to all believers. At another point, he said, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. He was a man of God speaking life into Timothy. All of us need to see ourselves as supporting voices. Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. You are the church. You are the body. You need to be supporting voices in the lives of the next generation. In this room today, represented, we have coaches, we have teachers, friends, next-door neighbors. But each and every one of us need to see ourselves as a, as a role model, coming up alongside parents who are already doing it, in the field, in the trenches, supporting them to raise the next generation of world changers. We don't put it off on, on Brandon and the youth. Well, that's the youth department's job. And now, now hear me. I'm not volunteering to go on the next youth camp. Some of you are like, yeah, I'd definitely go. Me, I'm like, yeah, well, I'm good. But we can still impart life into a younger generation. There's uh, two young boys that usually sit right over here with mom and dad. One of my proudest moments every Sunday to see those kids run up and just want to give me a big hug. See, it's easy to pass those by, to push it by. But those kids know they're loved. They know they're cared for. That's how simple it is. It's just speaking life. The next thing I think that we need to do that we see throughout this scripture and we'll probably get a lot of nod, right, you know, nodding of heads on this one. Raise the expectations. But, remember, this is pointed at you, so don't sit there and think, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Stupid generation, they don't know it. Uh -uh. Raise the expectations of what we believe the next generation can do. There was a study done. Time magazine wrote a study, uh, an article, and they... they, they coined this, this word, uh, they, they, they coined the phrase or the, the word kidults. Kidults. A generation of people who look like adults and yet can still get away with and act like children. In Deuteronomy 6.5, we see the scripture says, Love the Lord your God with part of your heart, with part of your soul, and with just part of your strength. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. All of it. Jesus never lowered the standards. Never lowered the standards. He said, if you want to follow me to find your life, you're going to have to lose it. We can blame a younger generation for, for being kidults. In Scripture, in biblical times, by the age of 12, by the age of 12, a young boy would have already memorized the first five books of the Bible. Verbatim. Not, not by name. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He could quote the first five books of the Bible. By 12. Like for us, I mean, come on, being honest, being honest, y'all start a daily reading plan. You can get through Genesis and Exodus, but then by Leviticus numbers, forget it. You're shutting the book, right? You're like, oh my God, it's so hard. I, I just, I'm going to pray over my breakfast and that'll be good enough, Jesus. By 12, they had all of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus numbers and Deuteronomy memorized. I don't, I don't. I'm just, just clarifying up front. Cadults. A generation that's very gifted but doesn't have a sense of purpose or direction. They, they, they know there's something more. I said last week they're the most cause-driven generation I've ever, I've ever laid my eyes on. They want to be a part of anything that they feel like is actually impactful, will change life. And yet you truly usually don't have a sense of purpose or direction. They know there's something more. They just can't figure it out. Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, he, he wrote, he said, when I was a child, I, I talked like a child. I, I thought like a child. I acted like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things away. I put them behind me. And now look, this is hard. I've got a 14-year-old. And I, I, don't want, I don't want to say she's an adult yet. But but Paul never writes when I was, when I was a child and, and then, then there was that period there while I was a teenager and then there was that young adult kind of area and then I became a man. When I was a child, I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. It's about raising expectations. It's about believing in them to do something that, that maybe I couldn't even do. To look at them and to speak life, to say, look, I believe there's so much more within you. I believe there's so much more in you. What happens is they start to rise to the expectations when we raise the expectations. They're gifted, they're talented, they're, they can do it. But no, 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 we'd rather them be happy. For too long, we've been telling them what they can't do. What we need to do is say, you can love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, your full body. We gather supporting voices. We gather the church around, and we, we utilize the gifts that God has placed in our lives. Come alongside each other and say godly things, speak into lives, raise the expectations, and then, and then the third one. The third one, this is fun. The third one, we, we just, you got to keep it real. Keep it real. Um, 
If we want those who come up behind us to have the, 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 the same or, or to, to have an even greater faith than, than that which we have, you, you've got to keep it real. Moses goes on in Deuteronomy 6 regarding the God's commandments. He says, impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. How hard is that? Talk about what God's doing in your life as you sit around the table at home. Have a spiritual conversation. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, or, or today, maybe it'd be just when you're, when you're driving to, to practice, when you're driving to, to basketball, when you're driving to volleyball, when you're driving to, to dance, when you're, when you're driving all over town to this and that, to band, to whatever. It's imparting spiritual life. It's speaking life. When you lie down, he says, when you get up, it's the morning scripture, it's devotion, it's, it's a bedtime prayer, it's holding hands, it's coming together as a family. It's making faith a part of everyday life. In other words, God's not just a part of your life. God is your life. God is, is part of what you do every day. You're, you're walking in it, you're living it. But Corey, I don't, I don't want to shove it down my kid's throat. I, look, I, I hear you. It's a fair point. I'll push them away if I, if I shove it down, if I Bible slap them. If I, yeah, okay, I, I hear you, but hear me. Hear me on this. Me and Melissa. And, and I, I'm guaranteeing there's, there's probably, I dare say, 90% of you married folk in here are going to understand. How many of you, when you got married, registered for or got China? Wow, like five of you. Smart people. See, me and Melissa, on the other hand, we registered for, for Mikasa Platinum Crown. Mikasa Platinum Crown. And, and, and the, the, the store in town that, that got it for us basically told us, all right, you're registering for it. Whatever people don't buy for you, you're responsible to buy the rest. <coughs> yeah. That's a mistake. Mikasa Platinum Crown that now sits on a shelf looking oh so... There's the plate. There's, there's the littler plate. And then there's the even littler plate that the cup goes on the little plate. So the big plate, the salad plate, the, the saucer cup plate, and then the saucer. And, of course, the silverware. Like 18-piece per, per setting. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do more than, like, two of those. I've got two of those down after that. And, and look, I, today, today, right now, they are still all in their boxes that we got them from, from the store, underneath the cupboard, like, shut up close. Hey, the kids, will, why, why don't we use that plate for dinner tonight? No, 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 that's the good stuff. <laughs> We're going on 16 years of marriage. Am I right in saying we probably used it five times? Five times we've pulled out the Mikasa Platinum Crown. We're going to use it today, apparently. These plates, they sit on the shelves. Right? They're, they're valuable. They're, they're pretty, but we never use them. It's not a part of our everyday life. See, a lot of, 
A lot of people in this room, your faith is more like a fine china. Your faith is something valuable, it's something pretty, but it's something that sits on a shelf and doesn't get used. The kids don't know how to actually handle any of it. They don't know what it is, but they, they see it. But then they forget it because it never gets pulled off the shelf. It's not a part of our daily lives. Look, if God is not a part of your daily lives, you can't expect the next generation to follow. If you want them to read God's word, let them see you in God's word. Look, this one's hard for me. It sounds strange coming from a pastor, I, I hear, but hear me, this one's hard for me. I, I do all of my studying on the computer. I do all of my studying, all of my reading on the computer. It's just easy. It's accessible. I can, I can pull it out. I can switch between versions. I can, I can jump between. But then at the same time, if the kids want to get together and, and play a little Fortnite, what, what do I get on? The same computer. So how do those kids know the difference in what I'm doing in life? If I'm just sitting there on the couch and am I reading God's word or am I just, you know, searching the internet, playing on Facebook? Am I, am I looking at something else? How do they know? Am I truly imparting anything into their lives or, or, or are they, again, just seeing God as the fine china on a shelf and, and never really seeing what's happening? If you want this next generation to be a people of prayer, then they need to see you believe in God for something greater than blessed food. If your children only ever see you praying for food, how can you expect them to believe in prayer or to acknowledge prayer can change a life, that prayer can change a situation, that, that prayer can impact me, that can, prayer can take me out of that, that, that state of having to depend upon happiness and can take me into that place of joy where regardless of what my, my happenings, uh, I'm full of life. If you want them to believe that church is a priority, I'll just, I'll just move on past that one. You don't want to hear that. You see, it's easy to come up with things, excuses to, to miss it. And look, I'll be the first to admit, I love when somebody comes up to me and says, hey, we're, we're missing the Sunday. We're going out as a family. We're going to go out to the lake. We're going to go boating. Man, I love it. Family time. Do it. But if there's always something, if there's always an excuse, then how can you expect them to, to be involved? How can you expect them to ever want to go to a youth group when you won't ever get involved in a community group? Uh-oh. <laughs> if you want them to have Christian friends, I don't know, maybe you should surround yourself and they should see you surrounding yourself with Christian believers. And, and, and pray, I pray you hear me. I'm not saying that, that my whole circle has to be a whole Christian folk and we're going to walk around talking to each other about how blessed we are today. It's about being real. It's about being open, being honest with somebody, having people alongside you that want to encourage you, that want to build you up, that want to speak life. And you can be able to, you know, walk into a situation and say, look, I'm miserable today. And that's okay. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not tearing something down. I'm not speaking it over me because I, I, I admit to, to having hurts or problems in life. What I'm doing is, is I, I'm asking people to come alongside me. I'm, I'm encouraging others to come alongside me. We're using the body of Christ. Speak life into each other. Make it a priority to you. 
You want them to live with integrity? You live with integrity. You want them to stop pursuing the things of this world and start living for something that matters? Stop going into debt to buy things you don't need with money you don't have. They need to see the reality of the presence of God in your life. And when they do, when you're real, they're going to want it. But we have to speak life. We have to speak life. It's up to us. Again, we can't sit here and tear down a generation and expect them to raise up above what we did. We can't sit here and start hoarding and gathering all, all, all the different great things that, that we want and that we need, we think we need in our lives and, and yet expect them to do more than we did because all we're passing on is, is just material. We're not called to raise a generation of just well-educated, happy kids. Believe in them. Enlist the support of others, voices, other people within the church to raise the expectations, to raise a generation. Believe that God has put greatness in their heart. Right now, they're all off. We had 47 go to a Ford conference this year. 47 kids. I was talking with Greg. He said that's, in in the history of of this church, that's the largest number of youth that we've had go on 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 a youth retreat. Right now, I've watched video after video, some of the different speakers, some of the different things going on. And there's speaker after speaker speaking life into your children. Telling your children how how they too, like Timothy, can raise the standard, can raise up to be strong in the Lord, to be encouraged, to not let anybody put them down because of their youth. And yet year after year, year after year, I've seen it time and time again where where a youth group will come back and they're they're ignited, they're on fire, they've they've been spoken life to and they get back and we start to tell them what they can't do instead of building in them what they can do. Church, it's up to us. Yeah, last week, it's easy to label them. But it's up to another generation to take the time to impart into them. If we want to see the mantle continue, if we want to see the standard raised, if we want to see God's banner lifted high, there's going to have to be a generation of people, you and I, that come out and say, look, man, you are more than what the world says you are. You are more than what this magazine says you are. You are so much more. God has so much more for you. Christ has called us to unleash a generation. Look, I, I pray, I pray that each, each one of my three kids will go on to be so much better. Do so, I, people are already talking about my daughter you know, and her singing. I pray she sings better than, than, than myself or Melissa ever thought of singing. My son, I pray he preaches better than I ever thought of preaching. And, and if he never becomes a preacher, I, I don't care. But I pray there's something inside of him that we leave behind that he just is excited to say, hey, man, look, I'm sorry you're going through what you're going through, but can I just sit down with you for a while and share you about some good news? But that's not going to happen. 
It's not going to happen unless I continue to impart into them, but, but it's not going to happen if I am the only one that imparts into them. That's only going to happen if each and every one of us takes up the mantle and says, you know what? I'm done tearing down. It's time to build up. Father God, I, I thank you. Lord God, for your name, your life, being carried on from generation to generation to generation, Lord God. Something different, Lord Jesus, not just the status quo, but, but instead, God, a, a zeal, a fervor, a fire within us, Lord God, that's, that's passed on. Lord, I pray that that fire wouldn't die with each generation, Lord God, but instead would be ignited, would be rekindled, Lord God, to where all of a sudden there's a, a flame that the world can see. Something different, Lord God, a change, Lord, not just another building, Father, but, but a people that are passionate about your word, a people that are passionate about, about what you're doing in their lives. They're excited, Lord God, just like the disciples that, that, that walked out on the streets and, and looked and said, it, it was right there you crucified him. It was right there. But let me tell you about what happened in the upper room. Let me tell you about how he's back. Lord God, that we too would have that same fire, that we would walk out and say, look, I hear what you're going through. I hear the pain that you're doing. But let me tell you about the man who came into my life, the guy who walked into my heart. Lord God, that we would pass on that same passion, that same excitement. To not be another dead church, Lord God, but to be a people who call upon the name of the Lord. To not have a faith, Lord God, that sits on a shelf like a fine china, Lord Jesus, but, but instead to have, have an everyday usable, practical word of God in our lives. Father, I thank you for this generation, for the people in this room, Lord God, young and old, that each and every one of us, Lord God, would take upon the, 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 the mantle, the ideal, Lord Jesus, of, of speaking life into somebody else, but as well realize the need to have somebody who speaks life into us, somebody who looks into us and says, I believe in you. And Lord God, that we would take those same four words and we would pass them on to those around us. Father, I thank you for life, life abundant, life everlasting. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen and amen.